by the goal, waving his arms about like Ronaldo. Sometimes they cheer, and none of them laughs or pulls faces anymore. Debbie could kiss each one of the little sods for that. Brings them cold drinks now and again, or a few cut-up oranges. She takes Jason's hand and nods towards the bridge, a hundred yards ahead and to the left. They move quickly towards it. Normally they'd have come the other way, through the entrance opposite her own place, which would have taken them across the bridge on the way in. There would not have been any climbing or plastic chairs and scrambling over her friend's garden fence. But this was not a normal day. When she looks around again, she can see the man on the far side of the football pitch. He waves, and she fights the urge to shit herself on the spot. He couldn't reach them in time, she thinks, even if he ran. Could he? The fact that he is just walking, though, the confidence in his easy stride, terrifies her more than she ever thought possible. Convinces her that she is doing the only thing she can. She had known even before she'd heard him talking on the phone. She'd seen it in his eyes and in the dreadful red stain beneath his jacket. The man waves at her again and starts to jog. On the bridge, Jason stops at his usual spot and waits for her knowing that she will help him see the train when it comes. He looks confused when she moves to his side. He puffs out his cheeks and waves his arms. There was a metal safety barrier once upon a time, but bit by bit it had been pulled down. As soon as those with nothing better to do had covered every inch of brickwork with graffiti. Who had shagged who? Who was a puff? Who had been there? She puts a hand on Jason's shoulder, then starts to drag herself up, ignoring the pain as her knees scrape against the bricks, and carefully inches her belly across the top. She takes a few fast breaths, then slowly lifts one leg at a time, up and over until she is sitting. She doesn't dare look down, not yet. She looks around to make sure that nobody is watching, and it is then that she hears the voice of the real policeman. He is somewhere nearby on the far side of the bridge, coming from the other direction. His voice is cracked and raw as he shouts her name, and she can tell that he is running. He keeps on shouting, searching, but Debbie turns away. Too late, she thinks. Much too late. She reaches down to pull Jason up. Her heart lurching at his smile of excitement. She's always lifted him before, just high enough so that he can see over the edge, watch the train as it thunders beneath them. This is a whole new adventure. She cries out with the effort of hauling him up and fights back the tears as he settles down, dangles his legs and snuggles up close to her. He feels the vibration before she does, lets her know in a series of gulps and shouts. Debbie feels her guts turn to water and looks up to see the train rounding the bend in the distance, the southbound tube from High Barnet. She knows it will slow a little just before the bridge as it approaches Totteridge and Whetstone Station. Still fast enough, though. Debbie scrabbles for her son's hand and squeezes. She leans down and whispers soft, secret words, knowing, despite any number of expert opinions, that he understands her. He points and yells as the train gets closer, louder.
That smile, that kills her. Debbie closes her eyes. Puff, puff, Jason says, blowing at the train. Part One Brand New Heartache Chapter One Is Not Viable The woman let her words hang for a few seconds. Having passed across the thick roll of kitchen towel, switched off the machine, then turned back to pass on the news while Louise was still wiping the gel off her belly. There were a few statistics then, percentages in weeks and numbers out of ten. Some stuff about how common this was, and how it was far better happening now than further down the line. Thorne hadn't really taken much of it in. Not viable. He'd watched...